We are in the Gospel of John uh, together and making our way there. We had a tremendous kind of climactic moment last week where we landed at John 3.16. So uh, today, as we lead toward a time of communion here, um, I wanted to talk about the verses that kind of follow after that. So we're in John 3, uh, beginning with verse 17, down through the 36th verse there. Um, what I'd like you to notice about what is happening here is uh, just how the Lord is wanting to take a word like John 3.16. I mean, first of all, isn't that such a significant word? Uh, in your heart. Maybe you've had some time to think about uh, that this week. Um, you're just thinking about, you know, Isaiah uh, 53 says that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Um, that's pretty amazing. And that really helps you to kind of grasp the weight of John 3.16. You know, it would have been amazing if he had loved me enough to do that. But he didn't love just me a love. He loved all of you enough to take all of your sin, all of the things that are wrong because of the impact of Satan and sin in the world on you. And he took that. upon. But not only that, he took all of your family and he took the weight of their sin upon himself. Aren't you glad you didn't have to do that? Could you have borne that? But not only that, he took everybody in the United States and took the weight of their, but not, not just that. Remember, it said the whole world, every people, every tribe, every person that's ever lived, every person that's living now, and every person that lives between now and the time when Jesus comes back, all of the weight of their sin is placed on him. That's amazing, isn't it? What a, what a sacrifice uh, that he made uh, for all of us. The sacrifice is stunning. His death, the punishment that was upon him, the, uh, the, the travesty of what happened to him, one that was from God, had no sin, and literally rose from the dead, that all that he said would happen, all that he told us that it would mean was absolutely true. That's why we could sing like we sang this morning, right? We give him praise. Uh, we celebrate him. So now what happens? What happens after John 3.16? One thing that you notice is he doesn't, there's no story in the rest of John 3. Um, like as you begin to move along, you start seeing like next week we'll talk about the woman at the well. And, and, and that whole story and how it, and then the healing of the royal official's son, and then the feeding of the five, you know, it just goes on, all these different stories. But one thing I noticed was when after John 3, 16, you don't get any story. He's not teaching something. It's, it's like there's this clarifying moment that he uses these verses to uh, make some proclamations, some clarifying. You know, don't you need clarifying sometime? You know, sometimes you just need to get the thing worked out or, you know, a lot of you say things like, well, I'm processing that. Well, that what, what that means is you're, you're kind of get it cleared up in your mind. What does this really mean? What is happening here? How do I really feel about this? Well, I'd like you to think about the rest of John 3 just like that, that it, it, it's like the Lord is helping this whole thing through uh, what he said in John 3, 16, but then beyond that to try to help you get this clear in your mind. 
And so the way these notes are written for you today is to uh, help you to, uh, I wanted to encourage you to be reading this, this gospel, whether out of your own Bible or through here. Um, you know, we, we, we're now like um, eight weeks into this process. We got a long way to go. Uh, this is like a 40-something week process uh, that we're in. So that means we're about a fifth of the way through there. So are you still in the gospel of John? Are you reading it? Uh, I wrote these notes this week to get you thinking about what are you doing with these messages as you go on. So you'll notice at each point here, I wrote notes. Um, so uh, I'm just going to talk to you about a few things about each one of these scriptures, uh, things that we can learn there and that you can... Um, you can make notes of yourself. I hope that maybe you're following up and taking some notes on these different scriptures. And then in this case, I wanted you to think about how would you apply in a personal way these things to your life? Now, I wrote notes and then I wrote personal. So I gave you like one of my thoughts about this kind of for myself and maybe for us, but that you have a line there where you can also make personal application. That's really what makes the Bible alive, right? The Bible's alive because you're allowing the Spirit of God to speak to you in your circumstances, in your need, right where you are uh, today. And it's powerful. And the Bible is alive. And it cuts right in to your soul. Uh, the Spirit of God wanting to work in you. So, you know why I said all that is this is not all me doing all the work here, right? I'm not trying to do all the work. I, I've, been, I've been meeting people that are watching online. Everywhere I go, people are watching online. Uh, at, the, at the visitation the other night, I had these ladies come up to me, and they said, oh, I've never seen her before. And she says, Debbie, hello, Debbie, if you're watching today. Uh, she said she's been watching online. Do you know that this past week, we had over 1,000 people watch last week's service online? That is remarkable, isn't it? It's amazing the number of people that are attending here, but even all of you that are watching online, thank you. Thank you so much for, for doing that. But I said all that to say, apply it. Apply it. Don't just watch it and then kind of go your way. Get the notes, work on it, study the word together, and apply it to your heart. So this is a growth time uh, for all of us. So let's get started here. Uh, clarifying proclamation. The first clarifying pro proclamation is that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Here's the verses. Um, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And so you, you can feel how this is kind of a clarifying, this great John 3.16 statement. And then he's talking about uh, the difference between condemnation and being accepted, being accepted by God because of what he has done. You notice three different times here, I had him circled on mine, three different times he uses the word condemn. Uh, you know, there's a, um, there's a huge difference between condemnation and confidence. 
condemnation and confidence. We, we sang about confidence this morning. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Uh, that's my story. Because the world, the enemy, even yourself, you love to condemn yourself. We beat ourselves up. We uh, take all these things that have come against us and the hurts that have happened around us. And so many times we, we don't feel God's love and acceptance. But that's what he's offered as a matter of fact, wouldn't it be great if all the places that we had condemnation were confidence for us? 1 John 2.28 says, when you stand before the Lord, he wants you to be confident and unashamed. Write that down. 1 John 2.28. You should look that one up. I'm not preaching on that one today, but one of these days I'm going to. Uh, I've been preaching on it all week, really. Uh, confidence in him. Uh, wherever you are this morning. John 3.16 means that God has not come here to condemn you, to put you down, to shame you, but he has come here to offer you salvation, to offer you freedom, to offer you the opportunity to be right uh, with him. So I, in a personal way, we could say, because I believe in what Jesus did for me, I am saved and I'm not condemned. Uh, could you be confident in that today? Could you walk away from church today knowing that as we take this communion together in just a little while, could it just be a moment with God where you feel confident in your relationship with God, not because of all the things that you've done, but because of what he has provided for you, because of the truth of John 3, 16, I can say, I am not condemned. You know how, you know, the only way you get condemned, the only condemnation comes in choosing not to believe it, that what he has done for you has been accomplished, not believing that it was provided just for you. Because the only choice, if you don't believe, is rejection, turning away. So let's not do that. Let's, let's be confident. Let's have great assurance in him. Because if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, if you believe that he gave his life for you, if you believe that and receive that in your heart, not only are you welcome at his table, you're going to heaven. You can be confident and unashamed before him. It's beautiful how he lays that out for us. So don't be afraid of the light. Don't be afraid of the encouragement. Don't be afraid of the teaching that he's encouraging and offering to you because he is on your side. He is longing to help you to grow as a believer in Jesus Christ. Oh, there's more. Uh, the second proclamation here uh, is, comes to us through uh, some thoughts with, uh, related to John the Baptist that we met earlier in chapter 1. And this proclamation is that everything that we have and everything we are comes from God. Everything we have, everything we are comes from God. Uh, in, we're going to say that together. We're going to say that line, but I want you to say I instead of the we. You see where the we is, everything we say, everything I have, everything I am comes from God. Ready? Everything I have and everything I am comes from God. That is a clarifying proclamation that flows right out of John 3.16. Here's the setting. It says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim. 
because there was plenty of water. Isn't that a very interesting place to go baptize because there was plenty of water? So, um, and people were coming and being baptized. This is before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over a matter of ceremonial washing. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing. And everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Everything we have and everything we are comes from God. Uh, you see what's happening in this moment, right? Um, the, these disciples are talking to John. Uh, it's kind of a very human reaction that's going on here. John has been baptizing. He, people have been coming to him. He's been pointing them to Jesus. And now, all of a sudden, there are, uh, Jesus has showed up in, the, in kind of in the same region where John is. They're both baptizing there because there's plenty of places to baptize. There's water and there's the River Jordan that's there. And so uh, they are both baptizing. And so some of John's disciples, um, they're a little frustrated. Did you know that Jesus is baptizing too? I meant the nerve of him. He's not only baptizing, but, this, but did you notice that everybody's going to him? You ever, you ever get in those exaggeration moments of your life, you know? Uh, you have to be careful sometimes, don't you, when, uh, to kind of exaggerate it, to kind of make it look so much worse then maybe it really is. Everyone was not going to Jesus. There were still people coming to John the Baptist, but they were, uh, they were upset. They were upset because um, they were looking at it, thinking that something's being taken away, away from them. But John the Baptist, remember him? He is, uh, he's the one that we recognize. Remember, I talked to you about him as one who understood who he was and understood who Jesus was. And that that really is the attribute about him that is so critical, uh, so critical for us as well to know who we are and to know who he is. And so what happens here, John has this real groundedness uh, in his view of God. He's recognizing that this is all for God's glory. This is really all about Jesus, the son. And so he says, uh, you guys don't, don't be worried about what's happening because this is not about me. It's about him. Man, such a good lesson, right? Uh, to recognize that John 3.16 is reminding us of what Christ has done for us, not so we can be lifted up, but so that Christ can be lifted up uh, through us. John answered uh, those that, uh, that he knew who he was. He knew what he was coming to do. Uh, there's no rivalry. There's no jealousy. There's no envy. Um, you can feel that. You know, I was, I was kind of applying this not only to uh, our lives individually, but like to our church. You know, the truth is that if we ever get our eyes off of Jesus, if we get focused on ourselves and our own agenda, then I don't think God will continue to bless us. God has blessed our church, but I think it's because we try really hard to make this about him and not about us. You know, when it gets to be about us, you know, then churches don't get along so good. You notice that? You've seen that before? Uh, when the flesh gets in the middle of all that. But as long as we, that's what John is helping us to see here, that everything that happens comes from God. 
So don't get so high and mighty, he says. I'm not getting all excited about who I am because this is really about who he is. That everything I have, everything I am, everything you are, everything you have comes from God. And we live our life out in that way because of his sacrifice to us. We can see it demonstrated. All that I have, all that I've ever been, all that I ever will be, all that I am today, all of it comes from God. So this is a worthy passage for you to think about and maybe even to apply to your own self in your work or your gifts or your abilities, recognizing that whatever you got came from God and we give him glory and give him credit and give him honor on the basis of that. Clarification number three. Number three is verse 28 and 29. Kind of goes right along with what we just heard. This proclamation is that those who belong to Jesus introduce Jesus as our Savior. We introduce him as our Savior. So we don't just take John 3.16 and we just absorb that or we memorize that verse. No, we apply that to our life and then we go tell other people that he is that Savior. He saved us. He saved the whole world. Here's what it says. Verse 28. This is uh, John the Baptist is saying, You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. Uh, This is really beautiful. John is comparing Jesus to the bridegroom and himself as kind of the best man. Or the maid of honor, if you're a woman, you know, recognizing that that role. He's taking us to a wedding, right? He's taking us to this wedding, and this Hebrew wedding, um, this this uh, one that would come alongside would be one that was uh, had a significant role there. He had a a role in helping make the wedding happen, making sure the bride was able to get there, and helping do whatever he needed to for the bridegroom. And then when the marriage happens and the celebration is taking place and they're, they're joined together, then his job is accomplished because this never was about the best man. It was about the groom and the bride. That's the picture. So John's role was significant. He wasn't a nobody. Uh, Jesus said he was one of the greatest that ever had, had, come, had been alive. Um, but John says, recognize this is not about me. It's about Jesus. And I'm here to point others uh, to Jesus. Uh, I don't think the illustration is missed here. John's pleasure did not come from his popularity. God, John's pleasure did not come from the blessings that he received. He was impacted and filled with joy because he was able to point others to Jesus. Do you notice that last word? He said, that joy of being able to point others to Christ, that joy is mine and it is now complete. Um, I want to live my life pointing others to Jesus through deeds through my convictions, through my words, through my life. That's a a great personal clarification flowing right out of John 3.16 that reminds us of what we received, and now we are helping others, pointing others to Jesus. You know, that's that's your ministry. Now, maybe you have other ministries. You know, I have a ministry. I preach here, and 
I do a bunch of other stuff. But really, my number one job is to help people recognize Jesus is the Savior of the world. So I get to live my life that way. And through the deeds I'm involved in, and through all them hugs that I give, and through the words that I say, and even when I don't use words, living out my life that would point others to Jesus. Would you say that is how, that's kind of a philosophy? See, these clarifying points clarify how you think about things in your life and how you live out that relationship with him. Because when we leave here, that, that's our challenge, right? To go and live out this week in a way that others will be pointed to him so that your life says what John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the one that gave his life for everyone, including me, and giving my life for him. So a personal, uh, personal message. I'm pointing others to Jesus through deeds, convictions, and words. Clarification number four. Number four is that Jesus is above all and God is truthful. Jesus is above all and God is truthful. Uh, amazing. He says, verse 31, the one who comes from above, from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. And the one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the works of God, for God gives uh, the spirit. Uh, so we can see this, this whole picture of Jesus being above uh, everything, recognizing his work, his uh, communicating to us. The, this, this idea tells us that Jesus is supreme, that no one is greater than Jesus. He has authority over all things, and everything has been put under his rule and control. I mean, consider the majestic creation uh, that is around us and all the beautiful mountain peaks and all the ways that God has created beauty around us. Jesus is greater than creation. I mean, picture all the beautiful things around us, the massive oceans. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than any of the intellectual, creative, inventive things that have happened in our society. Jesus is greater. Jesus is above all. You know, I think people think technology is the new, the new kill-all, you know, that every, Jesus is greater than all that. Jesus is greater than anything that's created. Um, you know, if your life ever felt kind of like out of sync and, and you get up and you feel a little unmotivated and your relationships are kind of stalling and everything, but everything in the world around you, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one that we go to. That's what the impact of John three sixteen is. It's clarifying for us that God so loved us. He has given himself and all that is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is supreme over all things. Um, and, and we are called to accept that, to believe that, to put our trust in that. Every time the Bible states that Jesus came from heaven, it expresses um, a recognition that this is not about a religious experience that we came up with in the flesh. It's all about him. So the more often you hear about Jesus and you hear about what he has done and you recognize what he has done on our behalf, knowing that this is the one that came from heaven. This is the perfect one, the son of God that gave everything, that laid everything down so that he could receive all of us freely to himself. 
It's a reminder that I believe that Jesus is the truth and speaks the words of God into my life. And so I'm listening to that. He's the supreme authority. Uh, not, you know, definitely not, not the pastor. <laughs> you know, I try to talk about the word as best that I can and preach, but the, the spirit of God is who is really speaking to your heart, opening your spirit to him. He is above all. He always tells the truth. He always reveals the truth, and he's above everything. Man, it's pretty quiet in here. This is pretty awesome stuff, and like we know it so good, we already know it. You, it's like, Pastor, I already know that. I know that, but I don't want you to take it for granted. That's what he's doing. He's clarifying for you the magnitude of what Jesus has done for us, who he is. Clarification number five, believing in God's son and his sacrifice is, and I use the phrase, the tipping point. The tipping point. Uh, I'll explain that in just a minute. Verse 35 and 36 says, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. So now, now we're back to this condemnation, confidence conversation we had earlier. Uh, notice he says, whoever believes has eternal life. That takes us right back to John 3, 16, right? Shall not perish, but have eternal life. So whoever believes in him has eternal life. Now notice it does not say whoever does not believe in him. The difference between belief and not belief is believing in him and rejecting him. Belief over against rejection. So he's saying believing in God's son and in his sacrifice is really the tipping point. You know, the tipping point means that uh, you come to a place where it's a moment of decision that we're going to go one direction or another. We came to a fork in the road and we, the tipping point is which way are we going to go? It's almost, I always think of it like a little hill. And so you go and go and go and then you get to a certain point at the hill and you're either going to go back down or you're going to go over. Uh, and continue to follow it. Uh, so you get to that kind of that point. And that's, that's what he's talking about here. The tipping point of everything related to Jesus Christ is he is above all. He is the greatest. He is the most amazing. But the, the tipping point is, do you believe in him? Have you put your trust in him? Because if you haven't, from his perspective, there's rejection. Have I, have I embraced uh, Jesus Christ? Now, you know that I recognize that probably a whole bunch of you in here have done that. But I never want to take it for granted. There might be some of you in here that you need to say today, you know what, I, I need to put my trust in Christ. Um, I need to make a decision today to trust him. This, this section is trying to get you to clarify, not just that you know John 3.16, but you've applied it. You're working on it. You're believing in him, not a place of rejection. Uh, the personal response for me, I am confident and assured in my eternal life in heaven because I believe in Jesus. Your trust in Jesus is the tipping point. Your belief in him. Finally, 
one verse I skipped over was verse 30, and it really makes the final proclamation. It's our memory verse for today, and it simply says, he must increase, I must decrease. It's really the, the core thought of, of this section that is clarifying. I know you know John 3.16, but as you live out your life, he gets exalted and you get decreased. Uh, that's a, let's say it together first. We're going to say this memory verse. I uh, hope you'll learn that. It's so, such a simple two little phrases that you can get etched in your heart. We say the reference, the verse, and then we say the reference again, just like it's on the, the outline for you. Ready? John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. John 3.30. Definitely a verse that you should have in your heart. It's a it's a it's a statement of how you are going to live out uh, your life. And notice it does not say, hey, this would be a nice idea for you to think about. Just a little suggestion, no suggestion. He must increase. I must decrease. So how, how, are, we, how are we going to do that? Uh, we're, you know, living out this life as exalting him in our life, uh, not taking uh, glory and credit for myself, but recognizing I'm lifting him up. I'm praising him uh, through my life. I choose for Jesus to increase and Lloyd decrease. That's in my line right there. I don't know. Uh, that one's blank on purpose. You choose to increase him, Jesus to increase, and there's your name right there, to uh, decrease. Uh, living out your life on a daily basis that Christ would be exalted. Um, your life will go better if Jesus increases and you decrease. Uh, when you come to the place of dying to yourself and giving everything to Christ, that's, that's been his goal. The apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live as I used to live. But now the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 3, 16, right? Right out of that. He's saying, I died to me because of what he did on my behalf. There's this clarifying proclamation that I have died to me so that Christ can be exalted through me. Now, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about self-centeredness. He's talking about self-focus, doing things your way, living by your agenda, instead deciding I'm going to die to my way and I'll put my trust in his way. Now, let's tell you this. Uh, it's not good news. But if you haven't died to yourself, he's going to keep working on you about that. It's, his, it's one of his main goals for you. He wants you to be forgiven of your sin, and he died on the cross for that. But his death continues to impact us as he's seeking us to, 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 to be crucified with him in ourselves so that Christ would be exalted. So we're going to, uh, we're going to share uh, around the table today uh, the bread and the juice that reminds us of what Christ has done for us. If you're serving with me, would you please come? I encourage you to uh, exalt him through communion today. 
as these ladies and gentlemen are coming, I'd love for us to, uh, to pray for these elements and to pray for this moment. Would you let this be like a be still moment with God? You know, he says, be still and know that I am God. So if you would, uh, if you would bow with me today and let's pray for these elements and for this meal together. Jesus, we are majorly humbled today because not only did you proclaim John 3.16, then you clarified it for us and all these different truths that we, that we can apply and probably many others as we study this word together. So today, we know that you welcome us to this table and at this moment, we can come before you, not condemned, but confident and unashamed before you. So Lord, would you, would you bless this bread today? Would you touch this juice as we eat it? We know they're just simple elements. But when we come together in this way, you told us that we could exalt you and lift you up in these moments. We pray that you would draw us closer to you and that if there's a person in this room right now, that they would accept you and believe in you, trust you, and know that you have a seat at the table for them. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please serve us. encourage you just to worship where you are uh, this morning. Decided that we would just uh, sing a cappella together just as we're getting ready to eat together. So uh, sing with me. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sing this, Holy Ground. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. Let us pray. Thus <coughs> now we are standing in his presence on holy ground. Think about that. Sing it again. We are standing on holy ground 
us now. We are standing in His presence on holy ground. One more. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, may it be a sweet Sweet sound in your ear. Let's stand together. Sing that again. Open your heart to him. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. bread represents the broken body of Jesus given for you. It says so profoundly, you are so loved. Remind him that everything that you have, everything that you are, comes from God. We eat this bread today in remembrance that Jesus Christ gave himself for every one of us. Let's eat together. This juice represents the shed blood of Jesus given for you. The Bible teaches us that only through the blood is there forgiveness of sin. So this blood is your covering. It covers all your sin. But it's his desire that you would believe in him, trust him, know him. So we drink this juice in remembrance that Jesus Christ gave his life for the whole world, including you and me. And he encouraged us to be very thankful. Let's drink together. Jesus, thank you uh, for teaching us today. Thank you for the, the magnitude of what you have talked to us about and how you have come to clarify that for us so that we know how to live, how to think, how to be believers in Jesus Christ. We put our trust in you today and we celebrate you. We pray through our lives 
that Jesus would increase and that we would decrease. All glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. May the blessings of God be on you today.